This episode of the Astro Powder Podcast is brought to you by Gama. Color changes have never been so easy and fast. Gama's Optiflex Pro Q unit provides the fastest color change for a manual powder gun in the industry at 35 seconds. This can be as much as an 80% reduction in your typical changing process. PowerClean technology, built into our Optiflex Pro Q unit, efficiently cleans the entire powder path from injector to gun tip so you're ready for quick color changes without any manual adjustments. To speak with a representative or schedule a demonstration, call 877-437-6771. That's 877-437-6771. And be sure to mention, Ask Joe sent me. Bring it, boost it, change it, finish it. Now is the time to complete it with Gama. Hello, all you powder coating fans, and welcome to episode 49 of the S. Joe Powder Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Powder, a.k.a. Kevin Biller, and with me, as always, is my esteemed colleague, sidekick, Nathan. He's ChemQuest Powder Coating Research's Vice President of Operations. Okay, <laughs> we're broadcasting from the ChemQuest Powder Coating Research Studios in Columbus, Ohio. The purpose of the Ask Joe Powder Podcast is to bring the latest news and technical know-how to the global powder coating community. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had an, an episode, uh, so what did you do on your summer vacation there, Joe yeah, Powder? We, we have had a little bit of a hiatus, um, if you want to call it that. Um, we've been busy, uh, very, very, very busy with a various and sundry uh, efforts, both professional and personal. Um, just got back from a nice uh, holiday with the family in uh, the, the hills of Tennessee. Sing a couple bars from Tennessee whiskey, but I think I would embarrass myself. But <laughs> anyway, we're back in, back in the saddle, uh, Nate. All righty. Let's get it rolling. Yes, but before we do... Shout out. I'd like to give a shout out to... Scott Francis. He's the editor-in-chief of Products Finishing and Composites World magazines, which are both published by the Gardner Business Media. And to give you some background, in early 2020, Scott was promoted from senior editor of Composites World to the position of editor-in-chief of Products Finishing. Scott came on board with little knowledge or experience of the coatings slash finishing world, but he jumped in with both feet and rapidly became an integral part of the coatings media. In a very short time, Scott became not only well-versed, but also well-known in the coatings industry, and his work really reflected this. Not only is Scott an excellent writer, but even more importantly, he's a voice of the coatings industry. Probably most important to me, Scott brings a really nifty sense of humanity to his work and his writing. Personally, also being an editor and writer, I'm an avid consumer of editorial columns, and Scott's are some of the best I've read. 
So fast forward to 2023, and Scott has recently taken on the Herculean responsibility of editing both products finishing and composites world. Superhuman as he may be, this is quite an undertaking. So just recently, cooler heads have prevailed, and these responsibilities will again be shared as they're adding Lori Beckman uh, to join the products finishing team as senior editor. Scott messaged this whole development in another heartfelt column that really resonated with me. And here's a quote that I excerpt from it. But like my kids who are trying to do gymnastics, taekwondo, and Celtic dancing at the same time, I wondered if I was biting off more than I can chew. So they made the, the wise decision to kind of share the responsibilities. So Scott, keep up the excellent work. We wish you all the best in these and all your future endeavors. It's time now for our Guess What segment. Guess what? All right, and it's that time of year. We just got the um, earnings reports from all the big companies, and we're not going to bore you with going through the numbers of every single large company that uh, released their numbers, but uh, Joe, what do you think are some of the takeaways, some of the trends that you see coming from there's both um, big paint producers and some of the chemical suppliers to well, the industry. You know, it, it, as our, our friends in uh, powder coating land uh, already know, uh, these financial reports come out really within a couple of days of each other for all these major players in, in our industry. Uh, and I've kind of reviewed where each one stands and kind of just from a qualitative standpoint, um, looked at six of the largest coatings manufacturers, and of course, these all are powder coating producers as well, represent the big ones in, throughout the world, uh, Axo Nobel, Sherwin-Williams, Asian Paints, PPG, of course, RPM, which um, has a powder coating division, uh, TCI, and Exalta, and to a company, they've all reported Decent, if not very good, sales revenue for the year or for the, the, the second quarter. I mean, year to date uh, or the second quarter. Good earnings or income. Some of them with really good results, like Asian Paint said, double-digit volume and healthy value growth. Um, consistent double-digit volume growth uh, in their four-year cager. But like even... PPG, uh, their year-over-year, specifically in the industrial coating segment, they report a 60% positive segment income versus 2022 at the same time of the year. Pretty incredible, uh, Nate. Um, really not what everybody thought. And I kind of think of recession. What recession? I don't know. I'm I'm looking at these numbers, and it kind of reminds me of going to the grocery store lately. Every single one of them says volume down by a percent or two, prices up by five percent, and uh, hey, look, profits are up. 
Yeah, you gotta you, you have to be a financial analyst or, or a CPA to sift through some of these numbers because I did see in some of them they talk about well favorable or, or negative currency exchange rates uh, influencing things and of course there's you know small percentage of mergers and acquisitions so you have to see if if it's same sales or not but the other thing that I think was very interesting from my perspective Nate was at the same time these major paint companies were reporting their favorable income and and earnings results, I saw three specialty chemical companies, mm. th- the financial reports that they uh, published. And, and BASF, they said sales declined by almost 25%. EBITDA is down by 1.3 billion euros. I mean, it's shocking, really, when you think about it. Evonik, they stated the lack of economic recovery means earnings fell short of their expectations compared with prior year period. Adjusted EBITDA fell around a whopping 40%. And the last one I've mentioned is Wacker, a German specialty chemicals company. They said... Uh, their sales for second quarter were down 19%. And he's, they said it was chiefly due to lower selling prices and volumes. Quite remarkable. It seems like the coatings companies are doing okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're beating the daylights out of their vendors, <laughs> right. perhaps. It's hard to say, but this really is an interesting juxtaposition of, of uh, financial reporting for mid-year. Fascinating stuff. Okay, folks. Nick will be enlightening you listeners with his knowledge and expertise of gloss and methods to measure gloss. I want to gloss over that. Doobie boobity boo. The look in the lab. Yo, this is Nick. On today's look in the lab, we are going to be covering gloss per ASTM standard D-523. Gloss is an aesthetic property of a finished coating and is recorded in gloss units, a measure of how reflective or shiny the surface of a coating is. There are both visual and functional reasons for gloss to vary from anywhere between an incredibly high gloss finish and a dead matte. And end user should have a specification for the appearance of their finish, including an acceptable range for the coating's gloss. A gloss meter is used to measure the gloss of a cured powder coating. There are many manufacturers of these meters, and in the lab we use a TQC polygloss device. Before using a gloss meter, you'll need to calibrate it by checking the calibration against a known surface, such as a highly polished black glass standard. These are included in the gloss meter's base. If the known surface readings vary from their expected results, the instrument will need to be recalibrated, preferably by the manufacturer. So, once you have your coated articles and your calibrated gloss meter, it's time to take some measurements. A gloss meter works by shining a light from specific angles onto the surface being evaluated and then measuring how much of that light reflects into a photo detector. Three angles off the vertical axis are specified in the ASTM standard, those being 60 degrees for most finishes, 20 degrees for very high gloss coatings, and 85 degrees for very low gloss coatings. It's good practice to evaluate your powder coatings on test panels before committing them to an actual part, 
and a 3x6-inch test panel provides a good amount of space to take and average multiple gloss readings to produce an accurate measurement. If you have to check the gloss of a coating on a finished part, try to evaluate on the flattest and largest area of the part, as any curvature can skew the results. It should also be noted that variations in the coating's thickness and texture, as well as differences in how it is applied and or cured, can influence the gloss of the coating. Additionally, special care should be taken when measuring the gloss of clear coats, as the surface of the substrate beneath the clear coat can influence results based on the orientation of the gloss meter in relation to any grain or texture of the coated part. With this gloss meter, I can log multiple readings into a batch and then view the range of results, as well as the mean and standard deviation of those results. In the event that the gloss is out of specification, some changes will need to be made. If you are an end user purchasing the powder, you will want to contact the supplier to let them know that the coating does not meet your specification. If you are a manufacturer of the powder running QA on a batch, you will need to determine if something changed during production which altered the expected gloss, for example, an improper weigh up of raw materials. You may have to adjust the coating formulation, then check the gloss of the new batch to determine if it now meets your customer's specification. All right, Nick, thanks for that. Appreciate your astute observations and information. Now it's time for a word from our sponsors. Are you looking for a solution to coat your most difficult products with no touch-up? Then Gama's Dynamic Contouring Equipment is the right solution for you. Unlike robotic coating, Dynamic Contouring offers greater flexibility without all the programming hassle while correctly positioning each powder gun to automatically coat your parts. For more information, call 877-437-6771. Once again, that's 877-437-6771. Seven one, And be sure to mention, Ask Joe sent me. Automate it, position it, detect it, code it. Complete it with GEMA. ChemQuest Powder Coating Research is a proud sponsor of the Ask Joe Powder Podcast and the only independent laboratory dedicated to powder coating technology. We do everything from evaluating raw materials, formulating the next generation of coating, developing new products, consulting, testing, troubleshooting, training, and more. Our parent company, ChemQuest, provides expert business strategy and advisory services in all aspects of the specialty chemicals value chain, including expertise in both liquid and powder coating. To find out more, email powdercoating at chemquest.com or visit our website at chemquest.com slash cqpcr. Thanks for listening to the Ask Joe Powder podcast. The ChemQuest Group is the parent company of CQPCR and provides strategic consulting to companies throughout the specialty chemicals value chain, including advisory services on business strategy, market research, mergers, acquisitions, or divestitures, manufacturing excellence, and formulation, application development, and benchmarking for liquid coatings and adhesives through our sister facility, the ChemQuest Technology Institute. Please contact Edie Fox Abrams, Vice President of Business Development at info at chemquest.com. All right, folks, 
Time for our Q&A. Do you have a question? Ask Joe Powder. Well, you can ask him. Ask Joe Powder. He has the answer. That will answer. Powder coding. In the Ask Joe Powder podcast. All right. Our first question comes from Jeff in New Zealand. And Jeff says, Dear Mr. Powder, what do you think is the best way to degrease steel and aluminum prior to coating? He probably would say aluminum, though. I've seen various options out there, but it seems that there are so many to choose from. I was wondering what you thought was the best option, specifically when media blasting is not an option due to the coarse surface area left. I know media blasting can be fine, but it's still def- difficult to get a smooth surface. Thanks in advance, Jeff. Okay, now this is Jeff spelled with a J. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for your questions. All right, let me give you the lowdown on preparing metal for powder coatings. And let me give you some qualifiers here, Jeff. First, the durability requirements of the finish must be carefully considered before you embark upon establishing a system and process to prepare metal for subsequent application of a powder coating. If it's a a basic indoor application that won't see much wear and tear or moisture, heat, maybe heavy chemicals, then simple solvent cleaning and light media blasting will suffice. And when I talk about media blasting, I know you're concerned with issues with disrupting the surface, you know, leaving a coarse surface. Part of what you need to consider is using less abrasive or softer, generally softer type of media to clean the surface. Instead of using something like garnet or aluminum oxide, you may want to consider using maybe an organic media like uh, ground uh, walnut shells. You know, it's kind of a local thing depending on what's available, but there are uh, certain organic media that can be used that could either be natural like the shells, ground shells of different types of uh, nuts and fruits. Uh, The other one could be plastic media. Uh, In this case, it it could be polyurethane beads or or things of that nature. So that's, that's something you should consider. But the point is, if you've got not heavy duty durability requirements, like outdoors, you can simple solvent cleaning with clean rags, and perhaps light media blasting will suffice. The other thing I want to mention is the the chemistry of the powder coating has a significant influence on durability and film performance. For instance, epoxies and also some hybrid chemistries adhere very well over simply cleaned and lightly blasted metal and, and can provide relatively good corrosion resistance with a minimum of surface preparation. Essentially, all other chemistries, and this would be you know, mainly polyesters, uh, would require metal cleaning followed by some type of chemical pretreatment. So if you're using a polyester, acrylic, or polyurethane powder, it's best to clean the metal first with, say, a hot alkaline solution, rinse it very well with clean water, then apply a chemical pretreatment. These are typically phosphate-based for steel and zirconium, or um, in the olden days, chromate for aluminium. 
Chromate's rather hazardous. I would recommend against using it. Um, it's actually carcinogenic. So I would recommend that you use a zirconium or there's some other types, nano or silane type ones. You have to talk to a chemical supplier for that. One of the critical things with preparing any type of surface, and, and in these cases, you know, aluminum or, or steel, is having excellent process control and to carefully follow the chemical supplier's application parameters. The other thing that I want to mention, it's very important, is if something works well on steel, that doesn't mean it necessarily works well for aluminum also. The chemical pretreatments, especially the phosphates, the iron phosphate in particular, do not translate across these very different types of metals. So keep that in mind. If you've got a really good system that works for uh, ferrous substrates uh, and you're going to be running some aluminum, be careful and, and uh, talk to your chemical supplier because you're going to have to make some modifications. Hope this helps. Uh, if you have any further questions, Jeff, feel free to ask me. Best regards, Mr. Joe Powder. <laughs> All right, our next question comes from Jeffrey with a G from Pullman, Washington. Jeffrey says, hello, Joe. Is moisture an important measurement in the manufacturing of powders used in coating? If so, how is water measured? Also, does water affect polyurethane powder coating curing mechanism?" All right, Jeff, thanks for your question. Believe it or not, powder coatings can tolerate uh, a small amount of moisture. And by small amount, I mean maybe a half to 1% of the actual material. If you remember, powder coatings are relatively fine particles with a high level of surface area. And when they're exposed to ambient conditions, especially if there's any type of uh, humidity or moisture in the air, they're going to pick up some moisture. And like I said, it's going to be maybe a half to 1% overall by volume and really by weight. That being said, completely dry powders, like in a very low humidity environment, and I'm saying like in a cold winter uh, where maybe the relative humidity is less than 20%, you actually have issues with electrostatic charging. Powder just doesn't charge as well if it's that dry. Think of the instance of dragging your feet across carpeting on a very dry, cold day. Uh, excess static charge picks up and you can, you can feel it. So therefore, a little bit of moisture is better than none. That being said, excessively high levels of moisture, you know, over 1%, can cause clumping issues and poor fluidization of a powder, uh, which would cause handling and application problems. You mentioned polyurethane powder coatings. Is moisture an issue with uh, the cure mechanism? And the urethane curing mechanism with powder coatings involves blocked isocyanate. So there's essentially no free isocyanate, which could be impacted by a high level of moisture. Uh, that's not an issue with polyurethane powder coatings. So don't worry about polyurethanes and moisture um, in, in the powder coating world. The last thing I want to address is you asked about testing. How would you test for moisture? And 
I kind of have two answers, um, Jeff. The easy test would be to take a very small amount of powder, I'd say maybe half a gram to a gram of powder, spread it out on a piece of uh, aluminum foil, and expose it to 100 degrees Celsius for one hour. Let me backtrack there. Weigh that sample of powder, weigh it very carefully to a tenth, if not a hundredth of a gram. So it may take a, you know, a, a high performance digital balance. But measure the powder before and after you run it for one hour at 105 degrees Celsius. And that's going to give you a relatively good indication of what percent by weight moisture was in that sample. Yeah, the, before it's exposed. Yeah, at that temperature, most powder coating formulations aren't. They'll they'll melt, they'll flow out, but they're not going to start curing because sometimes you know the weight of the material can change based on the cure chemistry. But um, yeah, for just pulling the moisture out, just yeah, right above the vapor point there of water. Absolutely, and the other thing I you know I mentioned like a. a a half to one gram. Uh, don't try this with, you know, 50 grams of powder because what happens then is the, the powder, you know, agglomerates into a, a, you know, a dense clump and it'll give you false information because there will be water entrapped in that glob of powder. Uh, the second answer as to how do you measure moisture, uh, there's a nice, fancy, very expensive piece of equipment that performs a test called thermogravimetric analysis. Easy for you to say. Yeah. Or TGA. And basically, uh, it's, it's a fancy way of measuring volatiles uh, over a dynamic thermal scan. Analytical labs know exactly what we're talking about. We use this quite regularly in laboratories that are doing very specific analysis of powder uh, volatility. These these types of instruments go well into the five figures. So you can either have the test run by a laboratory mm. or you get the equipment yourself if you can afford it. Anyway, Jeff, thanks for your question. It's a good one. I uh, hope I answered it well for you. Best regards, Joe Powder. All right, my friends, it's time to talk about upcoming events. Hey, friends, where are we going? To an upcoming event. All right, and anybody that's been following us for any amount of time, um, you know, we're going to be at Coatings, Trends, and Technology Summit, which is September 6th through 8th in Chicago. And that has kind of evolved. We've had our own show through the years that we called the summit we've combined it with the coatings trends and technologies show and so there's going to be powder stuff there there's going to be yeah talks about liquid paint technologies there's going to be talks about powder coating technologies and we're going to have a table there so feel free to come by and say hi if you're in chicago uh october 9th through 11th is the Gulf Coating Show in United Arab Emirates. Uh, October 15th through 18th 
In Las Vegas is the Western Coding Symposium 2023. Uh, at the same time, 18th through 20th of October is the Pacific Coding Show in Jakarta, Indonesia. The November 15th through 17th is China Coat 2023. Is that going to be a full in-person show again? That, that one, uh, the, the way they, they present it... Um the prospective attendees are saying it's hybrid. You can either do it uh, online or in person. All right. And then November 21st through 23rd is Abra Fadi International Codings Congress 2023 in Sao Paulo, Brazil. That's a heck of a lineup. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, all these various events coming up. The Golf Coding Show and Pacific coding show. I think those are both new ones. It's getting a little confusing because Vincent Verlag has some new shows and they're competing with the Codings Group, which is uh, part of DMG events out of um, Dubai. So there's more than one show in a lot of these regions. Well, and they love to name them in the most generic, kind of non-obvious way. It's the yeah, the Western European coding show could be uh, could be a lot of things. Yes. So anyway, plenty of options for people across the the world to get together with like minded people in the industry. All right, my friends. If if you want to have access to the Ask Joe Powder question and answer column, you can find it in. PPCJ, which is Polymer's Paint Color Journal, and they're also their sister publication, Asia Pacific Coatings Journal. Uh, you can also find it on the website of PCI Magazine. I say PCI Magazine, we're talking about paint and coatings industry magazine. You can also find it published by our good friends in Italy, IPCM, which is International Paint and Coatings Magazine. If you want to go Back in time, you can find it at the Powder Coated Tough Magazine Archives, um, which is, you can find that either at powdercoating.org, looking for past issues, or powdercoatedtough.com. Uh, that's a publication of the Powder Coating Institute. Um, also, there are a couple things that have been published by Products Finishing. Uh, this one's kind of boring. It's called Ask the Expert. Kevin Biller. But anyway, um, yep, if you want to find us in print, digital print, you can find us there. And we're actually going to be updating the chemquest.com website with some of this content too. We're going to have some Q&A stuff on there. And if you want to find out more about the lab, you can go on there as well as um, if you want to talk to us about potential project work uh there's a form for that as well you can find the podcast online at askjoepowder.com and if you want to hear about when a new episode comes out as sporadic and unpredictable as it may be i recommend that you subscribe to it on whatever app you use or if you're an itunes google spotify stitcher type user um we're on all of the major listings 
we have a YouTube channel where we're going to be posting for one, the look in the lab videos that um, you just heard from Nick earlier. And also all the episodes are on there and occasionally we post other sort of videos. And if you want to ask a question, the email address is askjoepowder at yahoo.com. Or you can call us and leave us a message at country code one four seven eight two ask joe That's one four seven eight two two seven five five six three. This has been a production of ChemQuest Powder Coating Research. Our original music, editing, and all the sound effects in between is done by Nick Page. I'm really excited to get into our our politics episode. And remember to keep your powder dry, my friends. Thank you for listening to the Astro Powder Podcast. This episode was brought to you by Gama. You have a lot going on every single workday with many things requiring your attention. But you shouldn't have to worry about the efficiency and productivity of your powder coating shop. Gama automated powder coating systems offer you greater efficiencies while producing consistent, high-quality results. We provide the very best in powder delivery, application technology, connectivity for smarter factory automation, and comprehensive powder management solutions. To learn more, visit completeitwithgama.com. To speak with a representative or schedule a demonstration, call 877-437-6771. And be sure to mention, Ask Joe sent me. Synchronize it, change it, integrate it, automate it. Now is the time to complete it with Gama. I didn't really have an outro. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> I'll call something Hey, hey, hey. Well, you know, back in the saddle. Yeah. Felt pretty good. I don't know how it felt for you. And we got to get back. Uh, we got to get back on it. Let's do it. Let's, yeah. let's plan one for two weeks from now or thereabouts.